you're preparing for a night out with friends. An outdoor party event that promises a great time before leaving. You inform your family of your plans and let them know you'll be back late. As you drive to the event and meet up with your friends, the atmosphere is buzzing with excitement. The party is clearly a hit with a rapidly growing crowd. People are pouring in and the event is becoming more crowded by the minute. Yet amidst the laughter and celebration, a nagging feeling of unease creeps into the back of your mind and you try to brush it off and immerse yourself in the fun, which you do for the first hour. The event is alive with music, bar stands serving drinks and snacks, and people dancing and chatting. You join in, dancing away with a drink in one hand and your phone in the other. However, as you dance, you start to notice that more and more people are bumping into you, making it increasingly difficult to move. You glance at your friends, and they, too, are struggling to find space. A quick scan of the venue reveals that this issue is affecting everyone. Your concerns grows as you're pushed and shoved into others, and the crowd's force intensifies with each passing moment. Panic sets in as you realize there is no escape, and you desperately search for something to hold on to. But there are no poles, rails, or anything stable within reach. People in the crowd begin to scream for help, but their cries are drowned out by the blaring music, making it seem like no one can hear. Even the presence of the police is nowhere to be found. The crush of the crowd reaches its peak and you've been trapped in this chaos for hours. And tragically, some people are unable to breathe and are crushed to death. This isn't a fictional tale, but a horrifying reality that unfolded in 2022. Let's dive into what transpired during this tragic event. This is Disturbing Things from Around the World, Volume 1. South Korea, where the death toll now tops 150 in the crush of people who were out celebrating Halloween. And we've learned at least two Americans are among the dead, including a student from the University of Kentucky. On the night of Halloween in 2022, in Seoul's Itiowan neighborhood, South Korea, a large crowd ventured out but only a few returned home. What should have been a festive celebration turned into a nightmarish ordeal. In a tragedy where the death toll rose by the hour, so did the unanswered questions what led to one of South Korea's worst disasters. On October 31st, 2022 at 5 p.m. at this hour, a large crowd of mostly young people in their 20s and 30s had gathered in Itaewon, the city's prime party zone, and a popular tourist destination is a maze of narrow streets and alleyways filled with bars and restaurants. The area is connected to Itaewon metro station, and social media footage shows hordes of people gathering in the early evening for Halloween events. The crowds grew larger with each passing minute making mobility practically impossible. 
According to one attendee, the crush began when a group of young men pushed others until individuals began to collapse. Emergency calls started pouring in, and the chaos grew by the hour. In the end, this incident made international headlines within hours. As the number of victims increased, it begged the question, could the catastrophic crowd crush in Seoul had been avoided or lessened in any way? And who is to blame for this disaster? These partygoers had a feeling something was wrong from the very beginning. According to reports, more than 100,000 people were firmly packed into the district's tiny, sloping streets and alleyways. The gathering grew larger and larger. Around this time, social media platforms began to buzz with tales of people expressing their discontent with the district's packed streets. Given its status as a high-traffic area, a large police presence was expected, but wasn't there. A debate with one of the officers stationed at Itsyowan police box indicated that there were only 22 officers on duty. However, authorities would claim there were 137. Later, survivors said around 20 to 30 sounded right. Either way, this would become critical as the events progressed. Some survivors stated that because work hours had ended, local businesses of shops had prevented customers from entering to avoid the crowd. Wow, like just wow. 90 minutes later, just past 6.30 p.m., Police received a distress call from an, an attendee who was trying to warn police and begged for help. However, despite the operator's assurance to the caller that someone would be dispatched to investigate, additional help was not dispatched for several hours. Up until that moment, a few officers on the scene remained unaware of the calamity unfolding in close proximity. Over the subsequent three and a half hours, at least ten more emergency calls came from the area. Once again, the callers were offered reassurance that the police were on route. In actuality, it is alleged that the police failed to dispatch personnel in response to the calls made from 9pm onwards during the critical hour leading up to the tragic crush. By 10 past 10, a foreboding call foreshadowed the impending disaster. A caller expressed, It feels like people can get crushed here. The unrelenting press of masses from both ends of the lane and alleyways made escape impossible as numerous people fell on the steep pathway. Some people attempted to evacuate by scaling the sides of the building. That was according to footage that came out after the incident. 25 minutes after 10, fire officials received reports of 10 people being pushed down beneath the mob and trying their best to breathe. The first four ambulances at that time arrived within three minutes, followed by another six. Their arrival was delayed by clogged roadways which made access to the area difficult, but panic grew as the situation worsened. By 11pm, an additional 30 ambulances have been dispatched, along with more than 100 national disaster medical support teams, causing authorities to cancel all Halloween events at that time. 
while response crews struggled to reach the victims. Other people did attempt CPR on the streets, including one qualified woman experienced in CPR. She described the scene as out of this world, observing that their faces had turned blue, their eyes were rolled back, and their mouths were wide open as they were struggling for air. Now, paramedics did their best to help the people who were easily grabbable, while other desperate partygoers attempted to grab a nearby bouncer's arms and legs, begging him to help. However, he too was wondering how to escape from this hell that was unfolding. And that is exactly what the scene looked like. Anybody who was still able to move, even just a little bit, were attempting to grab a hold of anything that could stop their momentum from the crowd, but to no success. Meanwhile, other staff members in nearby clubs and bars attempted to carry the injured in so that CPR could be performed. Those at the clubs joined the effort to bring bodies out and assist. Countless eyewitness accounts describe hearing screams from the audience while the music was actually drowning out everybody's voices during the disaster. One person remembered through tears how he desperately tried to aid those who had fallen, but there were already five or six layers of individuals piled on top of each other, many of whom had already lost consciousness. Some recalled the painful moment when victims' phones rang constantly. It was their loved ones, attempting to confirm their safety. It was at this time, authorities reported an initial death toll of 59 had passed away at about 1am. After two and a half hours of attempting to recover the bodies, they quickly attempted to move injured patients to 18 local hospitals as well as bodies to several mortuaries and a sports stadium to be identified later. The city authorities began receiving an influx of missing person reports through those early hours. However, identifying the victims would take days, as the lifeless bodies laid on the ground of the stadium, draped in blue sheets. South Korean President Yoon Suk-yeol called an emergency meeting and announced an investigation into the cause of the crush within hours after the disaster. He declared a national day of mourning that following morning. Meanwhile, the police were heavily criticized for their poor response following the flood of calls. An initial rumor reported that the actual crowd crush was caused by people running to a bar to see a celebrity, but that was just a rumor. The initial report of a stampede in Itiowan was retracted due to a small alleyway and loud music from nearby clubs, which reportedly silenced calls for help, and the lack of a place to run to was a significant factor as well. Ideally, crowd control barriers should have been built ahead of time. However, there was no regulated planning because there was no event organizer for this. According to witnesses, calls from within the crowd to push resulted in a massive shove. They were no longer able to walk. They were being carried in a flood of people and couldn't even stop if they tried. Because of the alleyway's incline, individuals being pushed from behind began to fall, creating a human choke point 
when people began to move in highly dense crowds. Each individual does not have enough physical space around them to move normally, but rather the entire crowd begins to move like a fluid, propelled forward by the push of those in front. This inability of movement can lead to two problems, the possibility of striking a choke point and someone toppling over. In this instance, the mixture of both occurred in Etiwan. When a push comes from any direction, a crowd can feel shockwaves that ripple up and back through the masses of individuals, just like the rules of fluid dynamics. The people at the front of the crowd will go past the choke point, but the high-density crowd will undoubtedly follow, carried by the force. In this situation, the choke point was too narrow for the entire crowd to pass through. As a result, it became clogged, and those in front were squashed even more by the mob behind them. Because of this, the victims died from compressive asphyxiation which is the limitation of lung expansion caused by compressing the body and resulting in a loss of air. Simply put, due to outside pressure, air was shut off from the body. The fallen at Etiowan were suffocated by the weight of bodies piled on top of them. Not all of them though, some died standing up. The force of the shockwaves reverberated through the crowd, many of them being carried out of their shoes. The enormity of the situation was captured in viral photographs of hundreds of pairs of shoes at the sports facility, which had been turned into a massive loss and found. Even before the catastrophic crush, there were unmistakable signals pointing to a crisis in Iatoa beginning with the 4-hour police reaction time. However, the death toll was very significant at that point. With the probe being in its early stages, we can only go on speculation and theories. The investigation to South Korea's police presence during Halloween night is ongoing. It's being aimed to understand the reasons behind the low number of officers. However, we do know one reason why. 6,000 officers were assigned to an anti-government rally, and President Yoon's office relocation to a new location near Itaewon. Only 137 officers were posted to Itaewon on a recognized festival night. The police were not notified of a significant gathering due to a lack of major organizers, and two political demonstrations were held before the crowd grew. However, authorities claimed they were unaware of the event, while an officer at the event claimed that the police had anticipated the crowd for Halloween, so I suppose we won't get a straight answer for that. The Seoul administration denied requests for reinforcements and communication between officials and the ground was limited. The police were not given sufficient directives when emergency calls came in, and the chief received his first report about the disaster one hour and 21 minutes after the incident. There had been some concerns that the police had been fatigued, due to the additional police that were providing security for the president. However, one could say another equally important factor was at play here, and that is the poor urban design of Itiwan. 
Etiowan has been a trendy spot with continuous development, such as the Hamilton Hotel. Located on a small alleyway, they had constructed unpermitted buildings, such as a temporary metal wall, a booth, and a terrace, narrowing the already narrow road in the choke point. Despite local district administration orders, the hotel refused to remove them. This incident highlights the need for further investigation into the entire case. However, authorities could have implemented a one-way foot traffic system, uh, megaphones to direct crowds. However, none of that. None of that was organized. On November 8, 2022, 55 offices, including the fire station, were raided due to charges that the chief ignored a police request to respond to the Halloween crowd before the collapse. Furthermore, many counts of professional negligence resulted in deaths have been filed. President Yoon stated that the incident demonstrated the significance of crowd management as well as a lack of research on the subject. Since the terrible Halloween incident, temporary shrines for the 156 victims have sprouted up all around Itziawan. The bodies of 26 international victims have been returned home to their relatives. One can only hope that future development in this area will prevent another tragedy like this from occurring again. So what's the final verdict here? The South Korean government final reports are that 159 people died and 196 more were injured, critically injured at that. Our next story takes us to China where police in northwestern China have charged a man with murdering two mentally disabled women and attempting to sell their bodies for, get this, ghost weddings. This has brought to light an ancient mysterious ceremony that is still conducted in some parts of China to give partners for people who die unmarried. The murder case began in April when three men were apprehended after a woman's body was discovered in their vehicle by traffic officers. Their investigation led them to an eerie chain of events in which the man, identified only as Ma, M-A, allegedly promised the women he would find them grooms, but instead murdered them in order to sell their bodies. Ghost marriages are thought to ensure that the unmarried dead do not spend an eternity alone. Now, originally, the marriages were just for the dead, but in recent years, one living person has been wed to a corpse. That in itself is just unsettling. In ghost marriages between two dead people, the bride's family wants a bridal price and a dowry of jewelry, servants, and a mansion, all in the form of paper tributes. Age and family backgrounds are just as important as they are in traditional weddings. Therefore, families hire feng shui masters to function as matchmakers. The bride and groom's funeral plaque and a dinner are usually included in the wedding ceremony. The most significant aspect is digging up the bride's bones and placing them in the groom's grave. There have been reports of grave robbing for years in order to meet the demand for the bones of women as ghost brides. 
there has been evidence of this practice mutating in certain parts of China for many years. In 2015, 15 female bodies were allegedly stolen in one area of China, and according to the villagers, grave robbers stole the bodies to make money. Now, according to the chairman of the Shanghai University, the price of a corpse or the bones of a young woman has skyrocketed. Such remains were worth between 30,000 and 50,000 yuan. That's about four to seven thousand dollars. He predicts that at the current price, it may be up to 100,000 yuan. Now, the sale of a corpse was made illegal in 2006, but this hasn't deterred grave robbers. Last year, a man arrested in Mongolia informed police that he had murdered a woman in order to gain money by selling her body to a family looking for a ghost bride. So, even though the law no longer permits this outdated tradition, it hasn't stopped the relatives of lost loved ones from searching for a phantom bride. But to be honest, this has occurred in other countries besides China. Although not quite the same, in parts of Sudan, it was traditionally customary for a man to marry the widow of his deceased brother. This practice was seen as a way to ensure the welfare of the widow and her children, as well as to maintain the lineage. In some regions of Taiwan and Vietnam, ghost marriages are conducted to ensure that a deceased person does not remain alone in the afterlife. A living person, often a relative, will marry the deceased to provide companionship. And even some indigenous cultures in North America have practiced forms of ghost marriage as part of their spiritual beliefs. These marriages may be seen as a way to honor and respect the deceased. And I should also note, cremation doesn't disqualify you for a ghost marriage. As a matter of fact, there have been multiple stories of ashes being stolen and sold to families for ghost marriages. So you tell me what you think. What are your thoughts on this? Me personally, I find all of this highly disturbing. Now while this last segment may not be as creepy as the first two, if you have a certain phobia about this, it can certainly make you feel uneasy. And we're talking about clowns. This particular one, his name is All Colors Sam. I want to talk about the bizarre case of the Sandown Clown in a small town close to Sandown in the Isle of Wight in May 1973. Two children aged seven who were out in the countryside heard some strange noises and went to investigate. They followed the sounds to an old creek bridge nearby, where what they discovered scared them to their very core. A strange figure appeared. It was tall, had no neck, and appeared to have a head that was directly attached to its torso. Additionally shocking was what it was wearing. It was donning some sort of yellow painted hood or cap that was fastened to a crimson collar with a softly ripped green jacket. The creature had scarecrow-like facial features and clown-like face paint. 
The children made the decision to face the creature, and surprisingly, it fled to the nearby hut. Here's where things start to get a little weird. When the children arrived at the hut, the entity opened its doors for them. The creature then takes out a microphone and starts tweak the amp's knobs. And the children realize that this is what was making the strange noises that they've been hearing. However, the noise was so loud that the children fled the hut and considered leaving. While outside of the hut, they heard in plain English, Are you still there? Now, the children were terrified beyond belief, but their curiosity won out and they returned to the hut. The creature was holding up a notebook with the words, Hello, I am all colors, Sam. He responded in his own voice when the children asked if he was a ghost by saying, No, not really, but I am in a odd sort of way. He continued by describing his visit to this region of the universe, where he was from and what he was doing there. They all continued to converse, joke about, and even laugh for a while. The creature once even performed some parlor tricks. Before saying goodbye and departing to return home, the children claimed that it felt like they had been there for hours. When they told their parents about what had happened when they got home, like any other parent, they were alarmed and concerned about their children being with an unpredictable man dressed as a clown, no matter what they said. So, of course, with the assistance of the kids, one of the dads went in search of this all-colors Sam. Yet, they were never able to locate him or his hut again. So, was this creature from another time or planet? Time alone will tell, but I can tell you this. Those kids who are all grown up now have never changed their story or any of the details in it. They remain to this day that everything they have ever said is in fact true and happened. Alright, and that will do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to Bizarre Conspiracies. If you want to email me or Conrad, you can do so at bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. That's all one word, bizarreconspiracies at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. And as always, I will catch you in the next episode.